What's up, this your boy Lil Duval, and check out my podcast, Conversations with Unc, on the Black Effect Podcast Network. Each and every Tuesday, Conversations with Unc podcast feature casuals and in-depth talk about ebbs and flows of life and the pursuit of happiness. Unlike my work on stage, I tap into a more serious and sensitive side to give life advice and simply offer words of encouragement, yet remind folks to never forget to laugh. Every Tuesday, listen to Conversations with Unc, hosted by Lil Duval on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Looking to step up your Mother's Day flowers? The Home Depot has an idea. Let mom's green thumb do some digging with colorful flowers, pots, and premium soils to bring out the most in her patios, walkways, and gardens. Right now, get Vigoro Potting Soil, just $8.97 for strong, healthy, vibrant plants indoors and outside. Shop our wide selection online and pick up your order in-store and give mom the gift of a beautiful garden. Get Vigoro Potting Soil, just $8.97 at The Home Depot. How doers get more done. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger, fresh for everyone. It's July 10th, 1999. Welcome, everyone, to the Rose Bowl in Pasadena, California, as we prepare for the much-anticipated final between China and the United States. More than 90,000 people are gathered to watch the Women's World Cup soccer final, the largest crowd ever to see a women's sporting event. This is more than a game. This is a defining moment in women's sports history. It's also about 100 degrees on the field, and the California sun is brutal. The closely fought game is still tight at zero after 120 minutes of soccer. The exhausted American and Chinese players lie on the turf while trainers massage their cramped muscles. And now, the biggest pressure of their lives for most of these women, maybe all, their most important penalty kicks ever. The penalty kick shootout is tied at four, and the USA's final kicker, Brandi Chastain, steps up to the penalty box and into the history books. Chastain will take it. She missed a penalty kick against China in the Algarve Cup, and they lost that game. Go! Then the woman known as Hollywood to her teammates whips off her jersey and sets off one of the most memorable celebrations in sports history. The party begins in Pasadena. What a day this was, and it continues from the Rose Bowl in Pasadena. The United States has won the Women's World Cup. Brandi Chastain's kick marked the climax of a summer when millions of Americans and a whole new generation of soccer fans fell in love with their national team. But it marked so much more than just that. I'm Sean Braswell, and this is The Thread, a podcast from Aussie, where we unravel the stories behind some of the most important lives and events in history to discover how one thing leads to another. 
We launch this season of The Thread as the U.S. women's national soccer team takes the field in France for the 2019 World Cup. This July also marks the 20th anniversary of the 99ers, the 1999 U.S. women's team whose victory at the Rose Bowl on that sweltering summer day remains seared into the memories of millions. In season five of The Thread, we tell the incredible backstory behind that World Cup triumph. But it's not a story that happened on its own. This season is about how the weight of history builds behind a single defining moment, how little details can change the course of history. We'll hear about how 19 students at Yale stripped naked in an athletic director's office and changed how female college athletes are treated, how a largely forgotten black transgender lawyer laid the groundwork for multiple civil rights victories, and how a single word placed into a single congressional bill opened up the floodgates of opportunity that led up to that glorious summer day in 1999. The national team's victory in 1999 was not its first Women's Soccer World Cup title. It was not even its first championship in the 1990s. The team started the decade with a World Cup victory in China in 1991. That experience, however, was very different from 99. You know, no one has names on their jerseys and only some of the games were televised. Jen Cooper is a soccer analyst and researcher for Fox Sports and the host of the Mixed Zone podcast. There had never been a Women's World Cup before, and FIFA, the governing body in charge of men's international soccer, wasn't quite sure what to do. FIFA felt like, well, we don't know if, you know, the women can last 90 minutes, so we're going to make the games 80 minutes long. And of course, they called it not the Women's World Cup. They called it the FIFA World Championship for the M&M's Cup because the tournament was sponsored by M&M's. Welcome to China and a truly historic occasion. For the first time in the history of American soccer, a U.S. team will play for a world championship. But the U.S. team did not just come to play. Tim Nash is the author of It's Not the Glory and has covered the women's national team for decades. No one would believe that the U.S could play soccer, men or women or dogs or cats. It just wasn't going to happen. So when they went there and they started smashing people, it really turned some heads. The Americans steamrolled their way through the tournament. They developed this attacking game. It was just fun to watch. It was entertaining. They just scored an unbelievable amount of goals. The team outscored their opponents 25-5, to winning all six games they played. Michelle Akers, an aggressive midfielder who later helped lead the 99ers to victory, scored 10 of those goals, including five in one game, and the winning goal in the final against Norway. Michelle with a brave run upfield. Here's Akers' goal with a chance. Open net. She scores! The U.S. beat Norway 2-1 before 65,000 people. First of all, Michelle, what can I say? How does it feel? I feel great. I mean, I'm going to be floating on seventh heaven until... Two years from now. Randy, we better get out of here in a hurry. Between all the fireworks and the celebration, there's a whole lot of partying going to go on down here in China. But back in America, few people cared about the historic victory. Jen Cooper again. I love the story of Michelle Akers. You know, when they they finally get back to New York and, you know, and they're all separate and going home. And the woman on the plane next to her, it's like, oh, where, where have you been traveling? She's like, I was in China. We won the Women's World Cup. And... The woman replies, well, that's nice, dear. No one knew what a Women's World Cup was. Caitlin Murray is a journalist and author of The National Team, the inside story of the women who changed soccer. And when the players got to the airport, 
pretty much no one was there. You know, the players joke, there were two people there. It was their bus driver and their operations manager. Unlike 1999, there were no parades or appearances on David Letterman. The national team played only two games the following year, two. In the 1995 World Cup, the team lost a heartbreaker in the semifinals to their old rivals, Norway. Then, finally, a bigger opportunity came calling. Women's soccer was included in the Olympics for the first time in 1996. Tim Nash. The 96 Olympics really was the turning point. That was, that was a huge deal. There was still the question of, will anybody come watch? They did. The women's national team played before packed football-sized stadiums. Jen Cooper again. It's such a mixed bag, the 96 Olympics, because it had such an incredible impact on the sport, but not many people got to see it unless you were actually in the stadium. Uh, the joke at the time was they were calling NBC no bloody coverage because they aired all of about three minutes of the final. NBC barely covered the Olympic gold medal, but there were tens of thousands in the stands cheering. This was the beginning of a movement. And for millions of fans, the movement was synonymous with a single player. I can be champion of Women's World Cup soccer. I can be a goalie. Like soccer Barbie. Or a power forward. Like me. It's Mia Hamm. Mia Hamm. Mia Hamm joined the national team when she was just 15. She was fast, fearless, relentless. One of the greatest goal scorers in the history of international soccer. And by the late 1990s, she was everywhere. U.S. gold medalist Mia Hamm spends 90 minutes destroying her hair and 90 seconds bringing it back with Per Plus. Hamm became a household name. She was in a commercial with Michael Jordan. She was shy, introverted, but gave hours of interviews, signed thousands of autographs. It was a duty she took very seriously. It's kind of cool. I mean, one of the coolest things is walking into a stadium and seeing those, you know, young girls and young boys wearing your jersey. And it's something that I think is extremely important, and I take responsibility for it. The amount of pressure on Ham was enormous, and her teammates marveled at how she handled it all. Tracy Noonan, or Tracy Ducar as she was known, was a goalkeeper on the 1999 squad. She was, you know, the face of our team, and she was under a lot of pressure as a forward to produce and to score, and, you know, she managed that unbelievably, in my opinion. Americans started to pay attention to women's soccer as never before just in time for the country to play host to its first Women's World Cup in 1999. Marla Messing was the president and CEO of the 1999 FIFA Women's World Cup. The event had last been played in Sweden, and I think they averaged like maybe three or maybe even 4,000 people per match. So um, they, they weren't thinking of big stadiums or major markets. But after we saw what had happened with the Men's World Cup in 94, as well as um, the women's soccer event at the 1996 Olympics, we felt like the event had the potential um, to, to do well in large stadiums and major markets. Not everyone was optimistic. Author Caitlin Murray. You have to keep in mind at this time, soccer was not a popular sport in the United States by any means. One year earlier in 1998, the men's team went to the World Cup and came in dead last place. It was an absolute embarrassment. And soccer just wasn't cool at the time. Many doubted a Women's World Cup could fill large stadiums, but World Cup planners did their best to prepare for any outcome. If tickets didn't sell, they were going to put up 
tarps and decorations to hide the empty sections. They also blacked out time to have concerts. So if tickets weren't selling well, they would have a concert as part of the event, and then they could maybe sell more tickets that way. In the end, the skeptics were wrong. (laughs) And perhaps the biggest reason the skeptics were wrong? An unprecedented grassroots promotion campaign led by the players themselves. Author Tim Nash. They went to cities where they hadn't been before, parts of the country where they hadn't been before. I mean, they didn't just lock themselves in the hotel and go to and get on the bus and go to training and come back. They were out in the community. They were doing clinics, anything they could to sell a ticket. The players would stay and sign autographs for hours until every single fan got one. They became ambassadors for the game and for women more broadly. 99er, Tracy Noonan. We were spending time, you know, after every event, every game, every practice, um, signing autographs, meet and greets, um, anytime that we had an opportunity in front of the media to speak and promote, you know, what our message was. Goaltender Brianna Scurry put it later, we had ownership of that World Cup. It was ours to put on, and it was ours to win. Marla Messing again, former president of the Women's World Cup. These were amazing women. Some of them had been playing soccer in almost total obscurity for over a decade. They were articulate, intelligent, educated. They cared deeply about the game. And they were aware they were also role models. This is Lauren Gregg, one of the coaches on the 99 squad. Every time we stepped out onto a training field or a game, every one of us looked in the eyes of those young kids, boys and girls, and knew that we had such an enormous responsibility to pave a different path for them. Americans came to know the 99ers and to love them in the weeks and months before the World Cup. They wanted to be part of the team's journey. I think that's what endeared them so much to the American people is they became household names. They became people that, not just athletes that they admired, but people that they admired and that they were real and genuine and open and they were the role models they never had. And Women's World Cup tickets started to sell like never before. Soccer analyst Jen Cooper. Four months before the tournament started, they announced that they had already sold 200,000 tickets, which was about double the attendance of the very small 1995 World Cup. And the response from the press was, you're lying. The players themselves didn't quite believe it. And no one knew what to expect when the World Cup finally launched that June. Up next, the team that started in obscurity and became the talk of the nation was about to forever alter the landscape of sports in America. The Home Depot wants every mom to have their own outdoor oasis this Mother's Day. Whether that be a new space to relax or a beautiful garden upgrade, at The Home Depot, you can give mom a gift that's as unique as she is with a stylish and comfortable place to entertain or relax for the mom who does it all. And with convenient delivery, you won't have to stress over getting it to her either. Looking to step up your Mother's Day flowers for the mom who's great with gardening? Let mom's green thumb do some digging with colorful flowers, pots, and premium soils to 
bring out the most in our patios, walkways, and gardens with the Home Depot's Mother's Day Savings Event happening now. Get Vigoro Potting Soil, just $8.97 for strong, healthy, vibrant plants indoors and outside. Start your Mother's Day shopping and saving today by checking out the Home Depot's extensive selection online at homedepot.com or directly in-store near you with convenient pickup and delivery options. See homedepot.com slash delivery for details. The Home Depot, how doers get more done. It took 11 years to get to the sale. The NYX anniversary sale is on now at knix.com. Celebrate the intimate apparel company that has reinvented products for real life with one of NYX's biggest sales of the year. Get 30% off all leak-proof apparel from the number one leak-proof brand in North America, including period underwear, swimwear, activewear, and more. Millions of people have made the switch to NYX leak-proof underwear, and there's never been a better time for you to try. Save 30% on super-comfortable, machine-washable, and great-looking underwear that's perfect for periods and light bladder leaks. Choose from a variety of colors, styles, and sizes, from extra small to 4XL. You can even match your leak-proof underwear with an incredibly supportive and comfortable NYX wireless bra. Don't miss this chance to stock up on your NYX favorites or try something new. It only happens once a year at NYX.com. That's K-N-I-X.com for the NYX anniversary sale. Hurry, the sale ends on Monday, May 13th. Go to NYX.com. That's K-N-I-X.com. Tired of restless nights? Meet Lisa, the sleep experts. <sighs> Here at Lisa, we know that good sleep is essential for mental, physical, and emotional health. That's why their mattresses are made for exceptional comfort and support, catering to every sleep need. Check out Lisa's Sapira Hybrid Mattress, named best hybrid mattress five years running. Sleep hot? The Chill Collection is built with cool-to-the-touch top fabric and layers of high-density comfort foams, all intended to remove excess body heat while maximizing comfort. With Lisa, getting a new mattress has never been easier. Delivery is free, and you have 100 nights to try out your mattress in the comfort of your home. Don't spend another night dreaming of better sleep. For a limited time, save up to $700 off select mattresses plus two free pillows. Go to lisa.com forward slash iHeart for an additional $50 off mattresses and select goods. That's l-e-e-s-a.com forward slash iHeart. Exclusions apply. See lisa.com for more details. The big day finally came. It was time for the 1999 U.S. women's soccer team to take the field after months of barnstorming the country. The team's opener was at Giants Stadium in New Jersey, an 80,000-seat arena that's usually the site of NFL games and rock concerts. Author Caitlin Murray. The team was going to arrive at Giants Stadium on 13 bus, the way they always do for games. Nothing unusual about that. But as they were approaching the stadium, the traffic started to get really, really bad. And the team was at a standstill and the players started to actually worry that they were gonna be late for their own game. The players wondered what was causing all of the traffic. Was there something happening in New York City that was backing up to the New Jersey Turnpike? But then as the ride continues and the players get a little closer, they start to notice that all these cars that are congesting the roads have paint on them that say, Go USA and American flags. And they realized all of this traffic is here to see us. When the players finally got to the stadium, they saw people tailgating and playing pickup soccer games in the parking lot. The players had spent so much time getting the word out, helping market this event, this World Cup, that I think it was a really gratifying experience for them to see that it had worked. 
history will be made today. This is the largest crowd to ever witness a women's soccer match. It was also the largest crowd to see a sporting event at Giant Stadium. Only the Pope drew a bigger one. The team filled the stadium. Now they had to beat Denmark. Team member Tracy Noonan. There's a lot of pressure then to do well and to win because if we do go big and it flops, what's going to really hurt women's soccer? A scoreless tie came to an end in the 18th minute when number nine, Mia Hamm, received the ball coming down the right side. Chastain reversing all the way to Mia Hamm. Hamm brings it down, still on it with the left foot, and the goal! The stadium erupts. Ham's teammate mob her in a sea of red jerseys. That was also a really big release for everybody. Like, all right, we've got a goal. Here we go. Everything's going to be okay. The U.S. won easily, three to nothing over Denmark. Next, they played to a sold-out crowd in Chicago, beating Nigeria seven to one. Then beat North Korea to top their group and advanced to the quarterfinals in Washington D.C. to play Germany. Journalist Caitlin Murray. The team started really strong and they looked really good until they went up against the Germans. Just five minutes into the game, disaster struck right in front of the American goal. Goal in stoppage time. Chastain back to scoring! She came out, and it's a goal for Germany! On one of those miscommunication plays! Ouch! It was an own goal, and the U.S. trailed one to nothing. And suddenly, for the first time in the whole tournament, the U.S. was actually at risk of being knocked out. And Brandy Chastain was at risk of being the goat for the American defeat. Coach Lauren Gregg. Our captain, Carla Overbeck, went to Brandy and said, you know, we need you. And basically, like, snap out of it. We need you. You know, just reframing her immediately. Four minutes into the second half, Chastain redeemed herself, striking a goal to even the score. President Bill Clinton and First Lady Hillary Clinton celebrated as they watched from a suite above the field. The U.S. defeated Germany and then blew by Brazil in the semifinal. Thousands of people started to turn up to watch team practices. It felt like all eyes were focused on women's soccer that summer and no longer just on Mia Hamm. Jen Cooper. One of the smartest things uh, that Mia Hamm did in advance of the tournament was say, hey, I don't want to be in all the ads. So we ended up getting not just Mia Hamm out of the tournament, but Julie Foudy became a household name. Brandi Chastain became a household name. Brianna Scurry became a household name. And these players did almost everything as a team, something even the television commercials picked up on, including this famous Nike ad. How'd it go? He had to drill. I got two fillings. Then I will have two fillings. But Mia, I just examined your teeth. They're perfect. I will have two fillings. I will have two fillings. I will have two fillings. Commercials aside, the U.S. women's national team was about to play the biggest game of their lives. So much was riding on that final game against China. And there were so many things that could go wrong. Two days until the finals. And if you don't know what finals, you may already have missed some of the most exciting sports action in a long time. The Saturday's championship match between the U.S. and China in Women's World Cup soccer has all the atmosphere of a Super Bowl. The Women's World Cup final was held in the Rose Bowl in Pasadena, California, the 15th largest stadium in the world. The U.S. team faced a formidable Chinese squad that had cruised through the tournament 
team member Tracy Noonan. You know, the game was a chess match back and forth. I mean, it was opportunities, great saves, back and forth, back and forth. Tackle at the edge of the box and clear. What a gallant effort from Chester. The game was a scoreless tie after 90 minutes. The American defense, led by Michelle Akers, held China to just two shots on goal. Then, 10 minutes into extra time, China launched a corner kick and sent a header toward the far post. U.S. goaltender Brianna Scurry, guarding the near post, could not get to it. Defender Christine Lilly lunged upward and headed the ball away, preventing an almost certain Chinese goal. The game was still scoreless after 120 minutes. Referee has just looked at the watch. That's it. The winner of the 1999 Women's World Cup will be decided on penalty kicks. In a penalty shootout, each team takes turns shooting at the goal and the opposing team's goalkeeper. The team with the most goals after five attempts wins. Author Caitlin Murray. The penalty shootout is just designed to play tricks on people's minds. And there are all these little psychological things that players do. Either they look at the goalkeeper so the goalkeeper knows they're not scared, or they block the goalkeeper out. They walk up, they only focus on the ball, they don't pay attention to anything else. It was a situation the U.S. players were well prepared for. Coach Lauren Gregg. You never know what moment is going to change a game. The penalty kicks themselves, we prepared for that. I had countless, you know, pages and pages of documented penalty kicks all spring. So we were way more prepared for that moment, as prepared as you can ever be to have to win a World Cup, you know, and penalty kicks. But the pressure was still enormous. Caitlin Murray. I think the players felt the weight of the moment, and they couldn't let anything going wrong, throw them off their mission, which was to cap off this fairy tale, this moment that they had helped create, they had to win. The first two American kickers, veterans Carla Overbeck and Joy Fawcett, nailed their kicks past the Chinese goalkeeper. But China matched the U.S. shot for shot, and it was two to two in the shootout. So the pressure mounted on the goalkeepers to make a save. Jen Cooper. Any goalkeeper knows when you're going into a penalty kick situation, you're lucky if you get one. But if you get one, you've really given your team the opportunity to win. As the third Chinese kicker came forward, U.S. goalkeeper Brianna Scurry stared her down. The shot! Save Scurry! Scurry dove left and batted the kick away. Suddenly, the Americans had a chance to take the lead. It all came down to Brandy Chastain, the last kicker in the USA's rotation. On this next kick, Chastain will take it. She missed a penalty kick against China in the Algarve Cup, and they lost that game. Chastain placed the ball on the spot and took a few steps back. Tracy Noonan. Yeah, I mean, we were all standing on, like, the very edge of the sideline, holding hands, like, anything that we can do. Like, we kind of don't want to look, but we want to look. Like, it's so nerve-wracking. Chastain fired a shot across her body to the right side of the goal with her left foot. Go! Every time I watch that video, it always looks like it's going to go out. It's a pretty dramatic, risky shot to take. The stadium erupted, and Chastain's teammates rushed toward her. 
And then the moment that she scored it, it was just like, absolute. And I think everyone just like ran to Brandy, of course. Chastain released some of her emotion by ripping off her jersey and waving it around her head. Then she dropped to her knees in her sports bra with both fists in the air. Caitlin Murray. There was that iconic photo of her holding her jersey in her sports bra, celebrating just this release of just pure joy. That is a moment that I think still to this day is one of the most iconic moments in all of sports. The victory meant so much to women's sports, but it meant something to more than just women. Two-thirds of the TV viewers who watched that World Cup were men. There wasn't a gender tag on the game. Stacey Enos played on the very first women's national team almost 35 years ago. It was just like that was one of the best sporting events ever. And people didn't distinguish male or female, but they were genuinely walking up to me on the street saying, I have never been so captivated by soccer in my whole life. That was the best sporting event ever. The players paraded down Disneyland's Main Street in California. They appeared on late-night talk shows. They journeyed to the White House to meet the president and first lady. They've definitely stolen our hearts. And by creating the largest women's sporting event in history, they have exploded the myth once and for all that women's sports can't attract fans and public attention. And it is about time that that has happened. It was about time. In fact, it was long overdue. And the 99ers' journey would not be possible without another group of talented and undaunted women, the first U.S. women's national team in 1985. We tell their story on the next episode of The Thread. The U.S. looked like they were playing in their first ever games, and that's how the results went. And there were few upsides to even being on the team. The players on the early national teams were not doing it to be famous or get rich or be on TV because those things weren't even possibilities yet. But they had something more valuable. They had a deep love of the game, and they were willing to sacrifice everything for it. It was choosing between doing something you loved, playing soccer, or building a career and actually making a living and having money. That was the choice that the players had to make. To be the change you want to see, add your thread to the tapestry. You can be the truth that'll set us free. Hear the congregation say, let us play, let us play. The Thread is produced by Robert Kulos, Shannon Williamson, and me, Sean Braswell. Evan Roberts engineered our show. This episode features the song Let Us Play, written and performed by Teacup Gin. You can hear more of their songs at teacupgin.com. To learn more about The Thread, visit ozzy.com slash the thread, all one word. And make sure to subscribe to The Thread on Apple Podcasts. Follow us on iHeartRadio or listen wherever you get your podcasts. Check us out at Aussie.com or on Twitter and Facebook. This is Malcolm Gladwell from Revisionist History. eBay Motors is here for the ride. With some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Brake kits, LED headlights, whatever you need, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride 
the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Hey, guys, you know what this playground could use? A wine country, huh? A redwood forest would be cool. Ski slopes! Wait! Did we just invent California? Discover why California is the ultimate playground at visitcalifornia.com. What's up, y'all? Janice Torres here. And I'm Austin Hankwitz. We're the hosts of Mind the Business, Small Business Success Stories, a podcast presented by iHeartRadio's Ruby Studios and Intuit QuickBooks. Join us as we speak with small business owners about the tools they use to turn their ideas into success. From finding that initial spark of entrepreneurship to organizing payments and invoices, we've got you covered. So follow and listen to Mind the Business, Small Business Success Stories on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts.